This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to talk about something that is often overlooked in the church world. And I believe that is something that the worldwide church lacks. And it is a very, very powerful principle um, that is so, when we get a hold of it, it is so life-changing and so life-giving. And and you know what? (laughs) I feel so um, unqualified to talk about this topic. Uh, That is until recently. Okay, God dropped this like love bomb on me a couple months ago. It was just like, and I just see the world in such a different way and, 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 and all the people around me. And, and you know, there's, uh, this is just such a beautiful topic to talk about today. It's, it's something that's within the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's something that I believe every Christian uh, should, should, is called to live out. Um, it's the way in which Christ endure, endured the cross. It's something that cannot be stolen. And it's this, this beautiful, unexplainable manifestation of Christ within us that we just can't explain. And, and, and it's the very joy of Christ that is within us as children of God. We're going to talk about joy. Yeah. Um, I believe that we need to go back to our beginnings as children and study the simplicity of their joy. You know, as adults, we spend so much time trying to teach our children how to become like adults, when I believe God is trying to teach us adults how to become more like children. Right? (laughs) Easy. See, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 4, that unless we become like children, we will never enter the kingdom of God. And enter the kingdom of heaven. And let's talk about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And if we want to be great in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, we're going to have to become like children. And I believe that as we start simplifying our lives and become more, more childlike, that there will be a greater release of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I believe that we need to start having fun with the things of God. We need to start having fun with the things of the Holy Spirit and start, start searching in, in the joyful and the playful side of God's heart. If we start seeing things through the eyes, if we start seeing like the gifts of the Spirit and the move of the Spirit through the eyes of a child, I think we're going to see amazing things and start experimenting with what God wants to do here on earth, that we're going to see a great breakthrough in the supernatural. See, Psalm chapter 2 verse 4 says that God laughs. It's in his nature. It's who he is. And we were made in his image. We we were to laugh with God. We're supposed to have fun with God. You know, I think God wants to break off some, this like religious mindset or like a legalistic militant mindset of how the things of the Holy Spirit work. God wants us to have fun with the things of the Holy Spirit. You know, think of it through the eyes of a parent. You know, if your kid comes to you, yes, you want your kids to love and respect you. But if your kids never came to you to have fun, how much of a shame would that be? See, God wants us to come to him to have fun. He wants us to, 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 to play with him, to play around with the things of the Holy Spirit. I've started to learn that, you know what, God loves messing with our plans. It's so much fun. <laughs> and he loves messing with the plans of people around us. You know, don't you love when the Holy Spirit just pokes at you to go pray for someone? Like, in public? Like, on an airplane that one time? You can't jump out of an airplane. Like, well, you can, but it's dumb. Um, but... <laughs> You know, maybe God wants to use you to start a healing revival in Costco. You ever think of that? How many people just, your heart skipped a beat there for a second. Or maybe, maybe God wants to use you to bring the Holy Spirit to someone at your workplace. You know, 
God wants to use us in, in amazing ways that we so overlook sometimes. But what I'm trying to get at here is God wants to break off a certain seriousness of the things of the Holy Spirit this morning. God wants to release new levels of joy into, into his children this morning. Does anybody need a little, a little shot of joy this morning? Come on, I know it's summertime and, you know, we're kind of like lazy and stuff. But, like, God wants to bring joy about our lives, okay? I want to I do something a little different here this morning. I know we just did worship and communion and stuff, but I want us to give a shout of praise to God, like so, so loud. I want to take like five seconds and just give God the biggest shout of praise as a group because God is God and God is so worthy of praise. And, and because, you know, once we were destined for hell, but then he took us out of that and now we're destined for heaven. You know, there's so many reasons. I don't even have to give reasons for us to give a shout of praise to God. But I want to take, like, I'm not talking about a golf clap for Jesus. Like, oh, there's Jesus in the put for the masters. No, I'm talking about a shout of praise like you've never shouted before. Okay, we're going to take five seconds. I'm going to count to three, and as loud as you can, we're going to shout to praise for God. Ready? One, two, three. You guys are nuts. What else can you guys do? Uh, this morning, I want to study the life of someone you would absolutely least expect it when talking about joy, and that's the life of Samson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> so the story of Samson uh, is in the book of Judges. Um, we'll pick up the story in Judges chapter 14, but a little backstory. So uh, Samson's mom was barren. She couldn't have any kids. And then she receives a visitation from an angel of the Lord and says, you're going to have a mighty child, a mighty man of God, and he's going to be so strong, and he's going to be put on this earth to crush the enemies of God's people. He's going to kill the Philistines. But he gave, the angel gave her a list of all these do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this, and don't you dare cut that boy's hair because that, that guy's hair is going to be the source of his strength. If his hair gets cut, then he loses all of his strength. Okay? And, you know, a lot of us know the rest of the story. Um, Samson's seduced by this girl named Hather Delilah and um, <laughs> eventually cuts his hair, and it's devastating. But I want to pick up the story in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. So Samson's found this girl that he likes, and, hey, Mom and Dad, we're going to go meet this girl that I'm going to marry. Hey, uh, verse 5 says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as, he might, as if he might have torn a young goat. How many people have seen a young goat torn in half? Like, let alone a lion. A lion! Y'all need to go to the zoo or something. Like, no one's as excited as me about him tearing a lion in half. Let me put this into context for a second. So, this is Samson. Uh, pre-ministry, we'll say. This is before he steps into the calling of God on his life. The calling is that he is going to kill the enemies of God's people. He's going to kill the Philistines. He has not yet crushed one of the enemies of God's people. He is, if he were to die today, he would not have accomplished anything for the kingdom of God. And yet, there's this lion, this young lion that comes roaring towards him to kill him. You have a call of greatness on your life so big that we cannot understand sometimes. And we're going to have to fend off some young lions that come roaring at us before we step into the full colony of God, before we take on those big roaring lions that might come after our family, that might come after our friends, that might come after our church. We're going to have to crush those young lions before we step into the greatness of God sometimes. If you're facing young lions, have faith because it means there's a big calling on your life. Who here has a big calling on their life? Everybody. Amen. 
right? See, Samson's supposed to destroy the enemies of God's people, but he has to crush this young lion first. Now, where else do we see lions in the Bible? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, um, I'm just going to read verse 8. It says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, rawr, seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody takes me seriously. It's okay. <laughs> so Samson was a person um, that, the, that the roaring lion says, whom he may devour. So if the devil may devour some people, then we've got to believe that there's some people that he may not be able to devour. And Samson was certainly one of those people that he could not, the lions couldn't devour at first. The lions got together and be like, man, did you see that? He just ate my brother Simba. Like, he just completely ripped him from head to tail. Have you seen that? Like, I am staying away from that guy. See, the enemies, they will realize this is who we're supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be the ones that the enemies are like, hey, did you see that guy? He just ripped that demon from head to toe. Like, that's supposed to be us. Okay? Amen. Thank you. I got, I got one amen. That's good. Now, uh, let me look where else. Where else do we see lions in Scripture? Y'all are probably wondering, like, this guy's talking about lions? How's he getting to connect lions to joy? But trust me, I'm going to do it. It's going to be good. Proverbs 20, verse 2 says, The rage of the king is like a roaring lion. Let me ask you, who is the real king? Who is the real lion? Jesus. Jesus is the real lion. See, multiple verses talking about lions, but Jesus is the real lion. What does the enemy always want to do? He's always wanted to do. He's always wanted to be like God. Spends his whole being trying to be like God. He always tries to imitate God. How does he do it? What's one of the main ways he does it? He quotes scripture. What happened to Jesus in the wilderness? The enemy came in and spoke three times. He quoted scripture trying to get uh, the enemy to believe that it was God talking to him so that Jesus would believe it was God speaking to him. Why does the devil use scripture against us? To try and lure us into a trap? to get us to think and believe that we're hearing and obeying God, yet the whole time we're actually listening to the devil and following him. That was a good point. See, all the devil wanted was to be like God. He keeps trying to be like God, and he goes around trying to make us believe that Jesus is angry at us, that he's like a roaring lion and he's coming at us with his wrath, and God is mad at you. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to tell you that he's mad at you and he wants to punish you. Why? Because if we believe that God is mad at us, then we'll allow the devil to devour our entire lives and we'll think that God is the one doing it. Sadly, I believe so many people in the world have this, this religious mindset, this blinded mindset that, that God's mad at them and they can't see past anything, anything else. They, they're blinded in their understanding of who God is and they don't see him as the love of God. It's completely devastating in the people that I've talked to. You know, every time I have a patient in the back of the ambulance on the way to the hospital, I strike up conversations about church and about God. And everybody I talk to has some kind of church history. But almost every single one of them has been offended by something in the church. They've been ostracized or shamed by people who are not living out the love of God and pointing out their, their flaws and their faults. And, and what's happening is these people have listened to and believed the lie of the enemy that says God is mad at you and that his love has conditions. How many conditions does God's love have? None. 
And you know what else? God is not mad at you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is not mad at you. That's right. See, Samson, Samson was completely untouchable and unstoppable so long as nobody cut his hair. When his hair got cut, he lost all of his strength. And what happened when Delilah seduced him and he got his hair cut? See, the enemies came in, they gouged out his eyes. He lost all of his vision. They bound him up in chains and he spent the rest of his days blinded, walking around in circles, not being able to see anything, having absolutely no vision in his life. Because he let his, his, the enemies come in and cut out the source of his strength. As Christians, where do we get the source of our strength? Huh? Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you want to know why I believe that so many Christians are walking around uh, trapped and in prison, feeling as if they're blinded, they've had their eyes gouged out, they're walking around with no vision, completely bound in chains, not, not being able to get through, not being able to see breakthrough, and doing the same thing over and over again, and struggling over and over again, and not destroying the enemies on which they were put on this earth to destroy, because they've allowed the enemy to come in and steal the source of their strength, which is their joy. Because they do not protect the source of their strength, which is their joy. The very same people that Samson was out to destroy now have him working for them. Because he didn't protect his hair. And for most Christians, the reason they do the same thing is because they do not protect the source of their strength, which is their joy. Let the, the things of the enemy come in and cut out the joy of the Lord right, from, right, right out from under them. And the enemy is robbing them of their joy. What does the enemy love to do? John 10.10, he loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy. And how does it work with most Christians? We let the circumstances, or situations, or people, or even governments, come and steal their joy. I am 100% guilty of that. I'll have a bit of a transparent moment of repentance with you guys that I've allowed in the past a government's ungodly decisions to steal my joy. And I apologize if that caused anybody else to stumble. But I've come to learn that it is not the joy of the prime minister or the joy of a president that is my strength. It is not the joy of Scott that is my strength, thank God. It is the joy of the Lord that is my strength. And you know what? My Jesus is joyful. Is your Jesus joyful? My Jesus is joyful. And when I realize that my Jesus is joyful, hey, I become strong. When I realize Jesus is joyful, then I am filled with strength. Oh, the young lion's coming towards me? I'm sorry, my Jesus is joyful. Rip. (laughs) My Jesus is joyful. All right. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may God, the source of hope, fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If I can encourage you in one thing this morning, don't let the enemy rob you of your joy. Otherwise, you will become vulnerable and blinded like Samson was. Come on, we live in one of the most hopeless times in all of history. Sorry, we live in the perception of one of the most hopeless times in all of history, according to the world, the way the world would see it. On the contrary, I actually think we're living in the most exciting time in all of history because there's such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we've never seen before and the move of the Spirit like, is unbelievable. But there's, uh, the world sees th- th- such a hopeless time. You know, there's such a, a, an epidemic of, of depression and anxiety and, and drug overdoses and, and suicide. My goodness, the suicides. I read a stat the other day that said since it was 2006, the rate of suicides has gone up 2% every single year. 
for the last 12 years. How sad. Let me suggest to you this, that the reason that so many people around us are living without hope is because, one, we live as an instant gratification generation, right? And I believe that we have lost sight of the future hope and glory that we have in heaven. We've lost sight of, of the greatness of eternity. We can't see it past today's struggles. And two, because we've allowed the enemy to rob us of our joy. You know, we need to start looking at inopportune circumstances as moments in which God wants to actually shine through us. Like, what happens if we get a flat tire on the way home from work? Right? Sometimes we throw a Christian hissy fit. Right? I've been there. Oh, farfuck nugan. Right? Like, you just throw a Christian hissy fit. It happens. Okay, but maybe God wants to use that opportunity of your flat tire to go to Canadian Tire and go speak to someone who's a cashier that's super depressed, super sad. They're thinking about going home and killing themselves that night. But because you had a flat tire, you had to go there. And God gave you a word of encouragement for that person that, that tell them, hey, God is not mad at you. And God is so happy with you. God's so pleased with you. He loves you. What if God wanted to use every single opportunity that we see as frustration for his glory, right? God turns all things for good. Everything that we do is for his glory. When I start going through situations that on earth would suck, I say, okay, God, somehow you're going to turn this for good, so let's see what you want to do. Is there someone you want to talk to, God? Is there someone that you want to share the Father's heart with? Let me go back to the second part of that verse. It says, it says then you will which means that we're going to inherit the, the, the second part of that if we understand the first. And, and it, it's talking about we're going to receive the portion that's to come, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we don't operate out of joy, then I think that we're going to miss out on a certain fullness of the Holy Spirit. See, joy is a kingdom principle. Joy changes everything. I think one of the biggest misconceptions in church culture and even outside of church culture for that matter, is that we need to earn God's pleasure. We need to work for God's approval. God's not happy with me unless I'm doing something to please God. I've noticed in my life, though, that when I start working uh, in a place, uh, when I'm working from God's approval and not working for God's approval, that there's so much more fruit in that. You know, look at Jesus' life. Before the two most challenging moments in Jesus' life, God spoke to him before, before he entered his ministry life and before he endured the cross. Jesus, God spoke to him audibly and said, this is my son whom I love and in you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done a thing. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't healed a sick person. Yet God spoke to him and said, I love you and I am so pleased with you. It changes everything when we see that God is already pleased with us and we can operate from a place of God's pleasure, not working for God's pleasure. Let me switch gears here for a second. Jesus endured the cross. Why did Jesus endure the cross? For the joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12 something. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is that joy? That joy is you. That joy is me. We are the joy which caused Jesus to endure the cross. If we're, not, if we're not joyful, why did he endure the cross? I think it, it, it's, it's a dishonor to the cross. It's a dishonor to Christ if we don't live out in joy. He paid such a high price for that joy. 
Romans 14, 17, one of the most famous verses that talks about joy. It says, for the kingdom of God is not about rules, about food and drink, but it's in the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. We spend so much time on that verse and it's so quotable and tweetable and whatever, but we often forget about the second, or the verse right after that. You know what it says? It says, for he who serves Christ in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy, is acceptable to God and approved by man. That means that it is acceptable to God that we walk out in righteousness, peace, and joy. Can I also say that it means that if we are not walking out in joy, that it is completely unacceptable to God. Whoa. It is unacceptable to God that we are grumpy. That's in the Bible. It's in the Scott translation. You've got to pay extra for that, but it's in there. It's unacceptable to God for us to not walk in joy. Now, not only that, but let me take that one step further. So it's, not, it's, un, it's acceptable to God, but we also become approved by man. You know, there's this, there's this thing going on in the world, and, and well, you want to know why so many people in the world, are, they disapprove of church? Because there's, no, there's, there's lacking of joy in it. And when I say church, guys, I'm not talking about impact church. I'm talking about the worldwide church as a whole, okay? The church of North America, the church of wherever, okay? Because there's, there's a lacking of joy in the church, I believe, around, around us. And a lot of people think that, that, that churches are a sham. If I'm being totally honest, a lot of people I talk to, they think church is a sham because there's so many Christians that are grumpy. You all know what I mean by grumpy Christians? Come to church with me. It's fun. You know what I mean? Like, grumpy Christians, okay? Just to give you a visual. But if we started walking in joy, you know, people would be fighting to get in that back door, right? How do I get that joy? I, wanna, I want some of that joy. Give me a piece of that joy. You know what grumpiness speaks to unbelievers? It says that God is not enough for my satisfaction. I don't get enough peace and joy in my life from God. You know, maybe people are waiting to see the joy in our lives before they start coming to church with us. You know, in a time in a world when there's so much disappointment, so much frustration, so much sadness, the church needs to be a light filled with hope and a light of joy. This needs to be a place where people find that hope and, and not more frustration and not more anger and not more disappointment. This is where people get set free from that stuff because the Spirit is here and then when the Spirit is here, there's the joy of the Lord. Let me dive into the second part of that verse a little bit more. You guys know that I love looking into the Greek of, uh, of the certain words in the Bible. You find out so much more about what, what it means, but I looked into that word approved, what it means to be approved by men. And this is what it said. It was so fascinating. So this is what it means to be approved by man. So in the ancient world, there was no banking system as we know it today and no paper money. All money was made from metal, heated until liquid, poured into molds and allowed to cool. When the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off the uneven edges. The coins were comparatively soft, and of course, many people shaved them very closely. In one century, more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of whittling down the coins in, excuse me, in circulation. So what's happening here is the people that were in charge of the money, when they would get some of the coins, they would shave them off. They would shave off a little bit more than was necessary, and they'd take all of those shavings, and they'd create more coins, essentially ripping people off. Okay? 
carries on, but some of the, men cha- the money changers were men of integrity who would accept no counterfeit money. They were men of honor who put only genuine, full-weight money into circulation. Such people were called dokimos, and this word is used here for the Christian as he is to be seen by the world. We are supposed to be people of integrity and honor and, 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 and people who aren't ripping people off. See, the world is supposed to see us as people who talk about this amazing kingdom, who talk about this amazing place, and they need to see that we're not ripping them off. You know, you talk about this place that's so amazing, that's so awesome, but I just don't see it in, in your face. It, it just doesn't line up with what you're talking about with who you actually are, and they feel ripped off. That's what happens, the world sees, when we don't walk in joy. You know, I heard this great teaching recently about, about how it connects joy and, and, and it's a transaction with the kingdom of heaven. It's funny that it talks about money, but, you know, nowadays there's so many different ways that we can pay for stuff, right? You don't even need to carry your wallet. You just, you, you put it on your phone, you have uh, Apple Pay or Google Pay, Samsung Pay, whatever it is, and you put your information in it and you just go boop, boop, and then your phone, it, it reads your face, it scans your identity, and it says, yep, You are who you say you are. Go ahead, go make transactions. Go happy spending. You see, the world is looking at us as Christians. The world is looking at our faces. They're reading our face. They're scanning our our identity. And if our face is frowny, I don't want to make a transaction with that. See, I don't, I don't want to make a connection with that. You're you're supposed to talk about all these things that are happy and joyful, but, but you know what? I your face isn't really lining up with what you're talking about, so I don't want to make a transaction here. This is how the world works. We need to upgrade our ability to make transactions. Upgrade and update how we make transactions. And joy is an upgrade in how we make transactions. We just got to put some joy on our faces. See, God wants us to upgrade and update the way in which we make transactions. And joy is an upgrade in currency and how we transact with the world. See, most Christians, myself included, have not been using joy as our currency with how we transact with the world. A lot of people see churches as a place that point out people's faults and are negative. The world's view of the church is one that's negative. They don't want to make transactions with that kind of church. But you see, if we upgrade and update our currency into a place that is joyful, then the world's going to want to make transactions with that kind of church. Do you guys follow? Does that make sense? Let me switch angles here for a second. Romans 10, 14, 15. It says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how then... Shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? We're about to see in this next verse, we're about to see how to recognize if someone is sent by God. Are you guys ready? This is how you see if a preacher or a teacher or a prophet is sent by God. Are you ready? How welcome is the arrival of those proclaiming the joyful news of good things to come and peace of good things to come. If our message isn't joyful, God didn't authorize it. Whoa! (laughs) If we are not speaking out in joy to the rest of the world, God didn't author it. What does joy look like? What does joy look like? 
I do this with Avery all the time. A joy. Come on, I'm making a fool myself. A joy. Look, turn to your neighbor and give him the weirdest looking smile you've ever given him. That's joy. That verse says, joyful news of peace and of good things to come. Not bad news of terrible and awful things to come. Joyful. All right. Good. Good for me. Good for me. Let's keep reading. The very next verse says, so then. I love the so thens of the Bible. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're not joyful, faith will not come. Whoa. Joy is a kingdom principle that is so overlooked. There is so much power that comes from joy if we were to just walk in joy in our lives. You know, I've recently understood how powerful joy can be. And some of you may be looking at me and be like, you're not one to preach on joy. Yeah, I know, but things change, okay? I'm a new man, okay, whatever. Joy is awesome. If we just get a hold of this, I want you to hear my heart. Guys, this is not a judgmental word. I'm not like, whatever. This is, this is meant to be encouraging. This is like, guys, if we just grasp the concept of joy and how powerful it is, guys, we'll be able to make transactions with the world. We'll be able to bring people in. Right, I'm excited about that. Cool. Let's jump ahead. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul actually gives us a job title as Christians. Anybody looking for a job? Cool. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador's job? What's one of the job titles of an ambassador? It is someone who is sent by a country as a representative, and they work in a place, they work in an embassy of the country in which they're assigned. Okay, so the embassy, this is really cool, the embassy actually becomes a part of the country in which they're from. Okay, so if we were to go to China, China's a communist nation, right? Yeah. Okay, so if we were to go to... Okay. Uh, do your research, Scott. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so if we were to be in China, and we were in communist China, if we were to step in onto the Canadian embassy, we would then be actually on Canadian territory. There is Can bits of Canada all over the world. Okay? I'll come back to that in a second. <clears throat> But what's another one of the job descriptions of an ambassador? They organize visits to the place in which they're from. They organize visits to the place in which they're from. You're an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Huh. So we're to organize visits to the place in which we're from. Hey, where am I from? Huh. What does Ephesians 2 verse 6 say? It says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Y'all want to go where I'm from? <laughs> I ain't from here. This is my temporary home. My permanent home is in heaven, where there is joy abundant. I am so, like, I'm drunctional in the Holy Spirit right now. This is good. Do you want to help me organize a visit with you to the kingdom of God? I'm personal friends with the king. Mm-hmm. Y'all, we're supposed to be called personal friends of the king. That's what an ambassador does. And we're, we're personal friends with the king. Do you want to meet the king? Yeah. 
You know, last year when I gave a message, God gave me this vision that, that Impact Church would be this, this house of healing and that people would, would come here and, and, and the, the sick would be healed and, and, and it'd be so awesome. And, and uh, prophets have come in the last couple of years and said, this is the house of restoration. And I believe that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see people have come and people are gonna continue to come that are, that are gonna be healed of sick and, 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 and sickness cast out and, and, and even the dead raised. Woo! Hey, I actually saw that yesterday. At work, I was pumping on a guy's chest or whatever, and, but I was, I was like speaking life over him as I was doing it. You know, every opportunity God wants to use, but we're speaking life. Yeah, it's a, a mix of medicine and a mix of God, but hey, we got the guy back, and, and, and it's laying on a hand. So like God wants to do amazing things through every single individual. Why do people want to come to this, this place as an embassy? People are going to come flooding to this church because this is an embassy. Why do they want to come to this embassy? Because the kings, they visit their embassy. The king of kings and lord of lords visits the embassy. Why are people going to get set free here though? Because as an embassy, we don't operate under the rules and regulations of the country in which we're in. So I mentioned the Canadian embassy in communist China. Okay? China runs under communist rule. But if, if you step on the soil of that Canadian embassy, you are then on Canadian territory and you operate under the rules and regulations of Canada. Rules and regulations of China. Rules and regulations of Canada. As an embassy, we don't operate in this house under the rules and regulations of the kingdom of earth. We operate under the rules and regulations of the kingdom of heaven. So as ambassadors of Christ, if we are to represent the kingdom of heaven, we need to do it from a place of joy because we have so much to be joyful about. Have you guys read the book of Psalms? Oh my goodness. Psalm 32 verse 1 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience has been forgiven, whose sins have been put out of sight. Maybe if we're not joyful, we've forgotten how saved we are. You guys know how saved you are? We're like super duper saved. Like, you can't get more saved than we are right now. I don't have to pay the penalty for the sin that I've already gone through because Jesus paid it for me. I got so much to be joyful about because I don't have to go through it because I was supposed to go to hell, but that ain't happening no more. I'm going to heaven, okay? Nobody can steal my joy because I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? I feel like I'm losing credibility, so I'm going to bring this to an end. <clears throat> Let me make one more point. Psalm 45, verse 7. It is so hot in here. It says, He has anointed you more than any other with his fervent, or sorry, his oil of fervent joy, the very fragrance of heaven's gladness. Just, ah, heaven's gladness. Hebrews 1 verse 9 says, You love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Whoa! We have the oil of joy on our lives more than on anyone else around us. <laughs> this is so exciting! Oh my goodness, I'm a mess. We're supposed to be the happiest people around. Why? Because we have the oil of the joy of the anointing of the Lord. Nobody else has that. You have that. 
Come on, I feel like I'm losing it. Say, I have the anointing of the oil of joy. You know, I love the way God works. It says, if you hate evil, you will get supernaturally joyful. What? That's so awesome. All we got to do is hate the evil in the world and we'll be happy. Are you serious? That's all it takes? We just got to hate what's going on in the world? Okay, just open a newspaper. Say, oh, there's a war going on in there. I hate that evil. Oh, there's this thing going on in there. Oh, I hate that evil. Oh, the least just won the cup. I hate that evil. Cameron's not here. I can get away with that stuff. All you got to do is hate the evil and God's going to download joy into your life. Come on, it's that easy. You want to be joyful? Go hate the world of evil, the evil that's going on in the world. Don't hate the world. Hate the evil that's going on in the world. If we're not joyful, maybe we don't hate the evil that's going on in the world. I had to do a serious self-check on this because that verse says, if you hate evil, you'll receive joy. I didn't hate evil. I complained about evil. There's a difference. I heard not too long ago this quote. It wasn't for me, so you can't hit me. It says, complaining is only proof that we can hear the devil's voice. Ooh, that one brought me to my knees. See, joy gives us the ability to bring in the strength of Christ and help us to make transactions with the kingdom around us. You hate evil? Then let me give you more more joy. Let me give you the anointing of the oil of joy of the Lord so that everyone else around you looks at you and said, where on earth did you come from? And you can look at them with confidence and say, I'm not from here. I'm just an ambassador, but I'd love to introduce you to my king. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 